you know, every couple yeah. of months, these things get me. Pizza rolls. Oh, yeah. Pizza dude. rolls are actually kind of fucking dope. They're I fine. Mean, kind They're of. Good. I don't this, know. This episode officially sponsored by Totino's. Totino's. Yeah, yeah, just in case you didn't, weren't sure, they're definitely at least okay, if not excellent, and you should buy them right now. Pizza rolls have their purpose, and I'm down with them. No knocks whatsoever mm-hmm. in the pizza rolls. You know what it's there for. I will say that mozzarella sticks are just, they're just more correct. Oh, on oh, average. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. All right, I thought we were going to have a so, problem. Yeah. So that that's... What I was going to get into, I was going to make an analogy here. I was going to say, you know, pizza rolls, they're okay. They got their place, right? And I was going to say, if you think about it, the Slums cast is like the pizza rolls of podcasts. It's good. You know what it's there for. But if you don't have it. You're not going to serve it to your family? No. See, this is the the thing. And to, uh, to, to flesh it out also is like frozen pizza. If you shame frozen pizza... Get out. You're not yeah. needed. It's just not like you're not being productive. Mm-hmm. I will say DiGiorno is definitely the best frozen pizza, and there just isn't another one. Oh, that 100%. Is, 100%. That, is, that is widely available, I would say. Of mm-hmm. the widely available North American frozen pizza brands, DiGiorno reigns supreme solely because of the crust. The crust is moto bene. They figured it out. Yeah. And you 100%. have figured out the crust of podcasting. Which is bad decisions, life choices, mentalities, plays, rules, segments. You have figured it all out and mastered it, which is exactly why we're here today. And I wonder if it's true. Do I suck like I put the suck on you? Hello and welcome back to the Slums Cast a podcast about making poor Netrunner decisions and poor life decisions. I am become Neuropancer Destroyer of Worlds. And I am Josh, still Netrunner's okayest player. Still holding on to that title. An important thing that we need to tell you about the podcast today, this podcast will not make you better at Netrunner, and it also will not make you a better person. Today, we are joined in this endeavor by a special guest. Josh, who do we have on the cast today? You know him. You love him. The three-lettered idiot, Mr. CTZ. CTZ. How you doing today? Listen, I will say that MR counts as two letters, and then you're throwing a period right after that, and then you got three letters that are also like semi-common, uncommon. It's kind <laughs> of like the end of season five of Lost. You know that this is going to go downhill, but you're still excited for it to go downhill. It's going to be tight. I'm doing great. There's that whole video Wago that came out. I've spent a couple of hours trying to traverse through that. I'm doing great. How are you two doing? You know, we usually don't ask each other that. This is very unfamiliar territory for Slums Cast. Listen, I iterate. If you have watched any amount of Roseville or the stream, which I know both of you have, you know that we iterate on that stream and now this podcast. I don't know. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Also starting the weekend pretty early, too. Feels good. You magnificent bastards. I have a day of work left and y'all are just up in here starting weekends like you just don't care. I don't care. Yeah, Michael and I talked before, and um, we came to the conclusion um, we don't care. Knock, knock. That's the end of the joke, because we don't give a shit. We're not going to the door. You think I'm leaving this desk right now? Absolutely not. Elite tier strategy. I got to give you props, and unfortunately, just because of that level of correctness, I got to cut the feed right here. Can you edit audio?
we've been very clear on this podcast that audio cannot be edited. We would just be cutting the recording. Just making sure you have the same battle plan that I do. Let's go to the top order of business today. CTZ, one of the things that you are known for on your stream is the Soul Train segments, in which, for those who are unfamiliar, you play some chilled jams and you play some hot netrunner. In the spirit of talking about chilled jams, what's in your Spotify year in review in 2020? Okay, my top artist which was super on par for cyberpunk and also just Netrunner in general, Carpenter Brut. That may have been slightly rigged. I was listening to Carpenter Brut when I was trying to beat Sekiro earlier this year. (laughs) Because, dude, I'm telling you, man, that added just a bunch of FPS to my brain, and it was so sick. You're like, oh, yeah, that's my top artist because... I listened to that while I was getting the shit beat out of me by Hornet 2 and Hollow Knight. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you For know those GPS locations. Out. Exactly. You can illustrate the whole murder scene over and over and over and over again. Tyler, the creator, was up there for sure. Chromio was decently up there. Wolfpack took a surprising drop. My top years were the 70s in terms Mm. of songs that were selected. And that certainly makes, I think, a lot of sense given Soul Train. I'd like to share a fun fact. Did you know, speaking of Spotify year in review, Spotify makes year in reviews for people who publish podcasts on Spotify. They're only like four pages long. One of them is the page that says thank you, but they exist. That's cool. See, Spotify again, just stealing from us, like the game dev steal from Ocarina of Time. Iteration is key in these software companies that I hear about. So you know what? They're just getting on the train themselves. One of the things that they show us in the Spotify year in review is the number of countries that we're listened to in. I'll offer a guess or comment on yeah, that in a I, second. I was going to say, do you have a guess for us? E- Let me think about it for just a couple Price of seconds right more. Price is right yeah, rules. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, oh, pff, Michael, Jesus Christ. Don't, <laughs> don't hit me with that clarification. I know. Society knows. I'm going to go 12. That's my guess. You're definitely not over. We are listened to in 34 countries. Shit, I, I didn't even know that. Holy! This tells me one of two things. Either mm-hmm. we genuinely have hit the global market, or people are using a shit ton of VPNs when they listen to us because they <laughs> don't want to trace back to their computer. And the, honestly, the second thing is probably more likely. I mean, who wants it to get out that they're listening to Slumscast? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, people are inspecting headers, get requests, and all sorts of things. They're going to know who the listeners are and where they're coming from. I think we have some unfortunate news looking at our Spotify year in review, Josh. Do you want to break it to the world? That's going to bring us to another segment. The Beef Zone. The Beef Zone. Beef Yes, and in breaking with tradition here, Pants, the beef zone is about some actual beef. The beef has come home to roost. Actual beef? Yes. We're opening the pot, we're opening the pressure cooker, we're taking out the braised beef. Mm. The beef this time is, what the fuck, Germany? What the fuck, Germany? We know that they have a ton of players in that meta still. We know Germany- I lost to one just last weekend. (laughs) They're very active in Netrunner. We know this. And Germany apparently doesn't like the slums cast. Are they actually good at Netrunner? Well, yes. Oh. How bad is the situation? Is this a little bit of disrespect that was posted on an online forum? Was there an image file of any variety? Was some image file sent to you fine gentlemen from the entirety of Germany that was rude to you? 
did Angela Merkel put us in law? It is illegal to listen to the slums cast. No MP4 files with you two idiots on it. I'm going purely off of numbers here. No disrespect shown online as far as I can tell. No posts, no images. However, they only make up 3% of our global audience here. That's why I got to say, what the fuck, Germany? When I hear that, I think of a lot of room for improvement. Three? Listen, the only thing that had three that was any good was the Holy Roman Empire. That's three words, okay? And that did involve Germany. It involved a lot of other things, too. But you got to iterate. You did three back then. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. For me, I don't, this is, I'm going to butcher this one. Let's <laughs> pretend that it was 1600s, <laughs> which I know has got to be wrong. But you got to do better in Germany. So again, just going off of pure numbers here, what I'm talking about is Australia. They're a former world champion and they've doubled Germany at 6%. At 6%. And if you think about it, Australia, a country of only 25 million people. Germany, 83 million people. Holy shit. We probably have enough Australian listeners to be a small political party in Australia. Absolutely. Germany, we're like five people, maybe, maximum. I learned a catchphrase, some lingo as local to Australia that is very cool. They love to say the phrase, I didn't come here to fuck with spiders or to fuck spiders. And that means I didn't come here to mess around. I don't know why they have that aggressive of a phrase. <laughs> that shit is actually <laughs> real. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, I, I have zero per- I hope that this is communicating through this internet machine. I have 0% sarcasm going on right now. That is 100% factual. Go check it out. I'm serious. I would go check that out, but I am worried about that saving in my browser history. That's why I use the VPN technology that everyone else is using to generate 34 countries worth of viewers, my friend. See, the whole podcast is a circle. I would like to move on as quickly as possible as I am afraid of Australia now. Agreed. So let's go ahead and move on after one last, what the fuck, Germany? Yo, Germany, what the fuck? What the fuck? And let's move on, as always, to the third thing we do in every episode, the intro question. The Canadian Hemophilia Society Charity Tournament that recently took place. We're going to talk a little bit more about it throughout this episode, but let's start off with something important. What was the sickest fucking play you saw in that tournament? Wait, pants, before Um, we answer that question, we have to address the elephant in the room. You played in that tournament. I did. How well did you place in that tournament? Badly, I'm sure. Really? Really? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Owned. Oh, God, no. Owned. Owned. Oh, no. We're cutting the feed again. I got 12. 12? The number that's slightly more than 11. WTTW Channel 11 out of Chicago, Illinois. Plus one. Are you kidding me, Michael? Don't try and fly under any sort of radar. In my defense, I expected to not do well at all. That's good because, you know, (laughs) otherwise I might have to kick you off the cast. When I say expected to not do well at all, I mean, I played zero games of this format going into it. I originally tried to register a deck that had a banned card because I didn't realize that some additional cards had been banned. Okay, that's Mm. a slums tier strategy right there. I gotta respect that. Um, Yeah, try and sneak it in. And then I was talking with a few people the night before the event, and I mentioned I was on CTM, and they were like, oh, are you on Jackson Howard build or are you on the fun build? Well, I'm not on Jackson Howard. And they were like, oh, yeah, breaking news is a lot more fun anyway. I did not even consider either of those cards. I'm on San San fucking City Grid. (laughs) I still think that that was the right call. It's a sizable upgrade. Like six? 
That has the printed number six on it. Or so Pants less. and I kind of talked about this, and it also has the number five on it. They have to go and trash that card. So it's like playing three extra copies of Mumbad Virtual Tour that actually do something else. Modular. You know what I mean? You make it, make it however you need it. Genuinely, the thing that I liked about Sansen was I expected to get Siphon every single round from every single deck from every single faction. I actually ran into it zero times on the day, but I can just go to zero, you dingus. Yeah, exactly. And then you're going to have to go get this. Have fun, nerd. I would like to vindicate myself real quick. Oh, please. Yeah, you may present a executive summary. You have an Ex- elevator justification. In, Earn in your way back five. into the depths of the slums. In round five, I played against Pencil, and I got blasted so fucking hard that round on stream (laughs) in front of the world that I'm pretty sure I've earned my place back in the slums. I mean, we're talking neither game was close. He fired off over Sheeta and three VLCs in the first four turns of the Corp game. I was over here like, oh, I, I drew two cards with Max. Yeah, and I was like, oh, man, like I, I remember because we had hopped. That was, I think, right when I started, or maybe just one after I had started the on commentary. And yeah, obviously, I saw the the, the staple Michael Max. Yeah. And I'm going off. I'm saying, oh fuck, this is going to be upsetting for Pencil because Michael's got. I know this packing some thick ass cards. It's got four, five, three influence dots on him. There's going to be some fuck you moment. Pincel just took the steering wheel, I think, collectively from everyone in the Netrunner community and said, excuse me, I need to go over here. And then we all sat in the back seat while he just took us to first place. To make matters worse, I got Slack messages after I was on stream from someone else in the Boston area that was like, hey, stream was asking, why are you on Shrike? And I was like, because I forgot Odore is a card. I don't think it came up, at least from me on the comms there. But if I had to have snapped guest at that point, I would have thought you would have done the classic testing pool problem of you only play against CTM with tour guide and you have CTM tour guide. So then your brain can only go to the only sentry in the game is, is CTM tour guide, right? Yeah. Um, and it would be something like that. Nah. No, literally. Skip right past it. Anarchite a card that did that. Yeah. <laughs> Super tight. Let's return to the original question. All right, I got my two cooked up answers. First one, it wasn't one play. It was a lifestyle choice. Pincel's choice of fucking Fall Guy? Are you kidding me? Is the restricted card? If you want to define stunting on these motherfuckers as a thing in the dictionary, that's exactly what you take a photo of and you put it on that page. Zero cost card, amazing. Two trash cans on it amazing no better than a cantrip amazing does it have unique functionality barely that's four out of four for me that's a good netrunner card pants and i actually talked about geist this time not in the I, sense of i was ever going to play it but but yeah no pants was never going to play geist because geist is basically blue shaper and yeah. you know how the slums cast feels about shapers so yeah there's one card that i have to note that could have been taken that pincel did not take Dean Lister. Passed up on Dean Lister. Not only did he put in basically a cantrip, he's like, nah, I don't need this broken-ass card that got rotated. You know what isn't on that card? Non-AI. Oh, weird. Oh, non-AI. Oops. Was that passed over in testing? Yes. Did anyone care? Mm. Tell you who didn't care. Pencil. (laughs) 
basically pencil passed up the two-card combo of Amaku and Dean Lister that gets him into any server because he's like, nah, I can already do that. Why don't I just get something else? Against the academic, against Analyze Chris, Dean Lister, Amakua would not have done enough. No. Because it couldn't break Susano no Mikoto. Yo, big Sus. And I can't believe that you fucking said this, Michael. Excuse my F word. But you revealed my, you. well, I guess you segmented me into my second, which was the top play that I saw, mm -hmm. period. This was the play that christened Chris with the sacred title of the academic. The bid zero play as Polana, I think that was like round three or four, and he just dropped that on one credit, if as I recall. I'm known for like three things in SF, especially memes, being an idiot, and number three, Psy games. The likelihood that you beat me in a Psy game is not very good. I don't know why. I just have the ESPN channel that just allows me to go beep, 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 beep. This person's bidding too. Like I can just do it. Chris dump trucked me so hard with that play that I had recoil for five minutes and I couldn't deal with it because I was so absolutely convinced it was solved and it just wasn't. And Chris had solved it. The bid zero, the ice placement. I mean, it was just 5D chess, literally. Everything that you could imagine board state-wise. Just perfection. Got to give it up to the academic for that. It's top play of the day for sure. Well, since that question was just for CTZ, you know, I have to say... This format, we need to see more of it because it just can't be beat. Can't be beat? Can't be beat? Holy shit, Josh. I'm the one who's supposed to say the bad puns. What? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, I, okay hold on, Michael. I, I will interrupt here and say okay. Joshua has supreme ownership of the pun department between the two of you. Here's why. It's simple science. Fathers, parentals, <laughs> assisting jokes, yeah. in the birth process. Listen, <laughs> he's got it on lock, and you can't really come back from this. I just, I have to say that it's going to be a little bit difficult. I didn't want to get into the inner channel politics, but that's my stance. I don't know. I don't need. I don't need to drag it out anymore. Beef two. We all acknowledge then that can't be beat is a sick pun. Yes, one hundred percent. Is it though? Yes, because something that you might not have known. We have a new segment this week. A new segment. A segment called The Veggie Zone. Peas are the best vegetable. <sighs> the Veggie Zone this week, we would just like to officially state that the Slums cast has the opposite of beef with the throwback format, and we want to see more of it. Let's discuss what makes throwback cool. The nostalgia factor, the literal smell and aura. I say literal smell but generalized aura of cracking a fat pack. Everyone knows this. You take a big whiff and it's not weird. Everyone does it. It's no weird. But then on top of that, you have cards that you yourself were probably opening 10 years ago from the Pokemon factor. So now with this throwback thing, you have people having those old neuro pathways being re-explored and that is titillating to say the least. Mm. So you get that automatically. And then two, I think what's super sick is you do automatically get this expedited meta 
I'm going to pick blackmail. No, no, everyone's going to pick blackmail. So it's banned. Okay. So then I'm going to definitely pick meme lister, which means that I need to double down on anti AI eyes. And then I need to double, double down because those decks usually are played with asset spam, which means that I need to be wizard, which is also gone. But then I, everyone's going to go on that. So then it's just going to be blue sun everywhere, but then I need to pick employee strike, but I can't because it's banned. You see what I'm saying? You're in this laboratory science experiment maze before you've even played a game that is super context dependent, which makes and invigorates deck building so much more. I was going to say something similar. The deck building possibilities are the best part because one of the coolest things that Pants and I did this year is we almost got the meta correct. We were talking about worlds and we had these discussions and the one thing we missed was Geist. Never going to live that freaking down because Geist is sick and we were like, nobody's going to play fucking Geist and we were wrong. We guessed a lot of the rest of the meta, especially after our episodes that we recorded and we played some games and we thought about it and we talked about it. And this format, especially since it's probably not going to be run very often and it's going to be run between rotations, right? Always going to be that thing where you have to kind of guess what's going to be the card that we're going to bring back. Who's going to pick what? Who's going to be playing and what cards do they like? What decks are they going to want to play? And that is like the best part of this format is just trying to guess who's going to bring what and what's going to be the top picks. Pants got 12th on this CTM deck that we were talking about where we were talking about Sansan and we're like, Sansan's so sick in CTM. That wasn't what a lot of people picked, but it took Pants pretty far. And just being part of talking about that, yeah, this would be sick. That is why Throwback is chef's kiss of a format. I'll admit the way that I tend to deck build is like tunnel vision, but even when you tunnel vision in this format, it's sick. Account safe a card that I did not end up playing. Account Siphon, what's the best Account Siphon deck I can build? All right, is it just Reg Anarch with Account Siphon stapled to it? Well, I don't know. If I play in Criminal, I can have six Siphons, which seems pretty good. If I'm on six Siphons, maybe I play that absolutely disgusting Stall Fisk deck because I can Siphon you six times. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, hold on. A deck I used to play with Siphon is just a 40-card Shaper with Siphon and one good icebreaker. I could do that again. Yeah, you're building the timeline. That's the classic chaos theory, small deck, goes, right? Everyone knows it, you know, and it was, you know, that's what's super sick. One of, if not the coolest thing about Netrunner is what we're doing right now. We're talking about it with it without actually playing it at all, right? And that's that's just super disgusting that that is such a cool thing. And you can go on and on and on and on about it. It's awesome. The games in that throwback tournament were honestly pretty fucking sick. The only games that tournament that I had that weren't that sick were just like realizing that you've gotten to the end state against Geist and can't win. That wasn't super fun, but it never really is. Mm. And, you know, it's on me for not winning before that point. Even the game where I got VLC'd 17 times, I was still like, I was still behind the whole time, but I was still in it. Look at that two-part example real fast. Geist has just actually always been a problem, always since minute one. The thing was, is that the skill ceiling to do that was super high. And it's a very physical style of playing a runner deck. You're doing Richard Simmons exercises the entire time. You got to, okay, I got to draw this. Now I got to flip this. Now I got to pop street peddler. Now I got to install this tech trick. Now I got to shuffle the deck. Now I'm starting my turn. And yeah. then I'm going to like, you know, but then you look at something like VLC. VLC very obviously is a, um, I'd be willing to give it a, 
broken status or just it's, a hair it's under. A very strong card. A very strong card at a dead minimum. Well, well we can yeah. settle there, right? But if you look historically, you would play CI. And you could get a VLC-like effect through many other cards, but CI is gone and some of those like a non-tip, J-How, blah, 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 are all gone. Now, if you introduce one aspect back, you're getting closer to this unexplored world because you have current day VLC, you have all day CI, probably without VLC, you would UVC. And now you're getting this weird hybrid ASA group VLC over, over, over again, Cybernetics Court, blah, 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 which is very cool and different, which I think helps. Should we thank the progenitor of this format? Who was that again? What? We definitely shouldn't thank the progenitor of the format. I would like to thank the tournament for existing. I would like to thank the format for existing. I think I'm going to stop there. Don't get too specific. That's very big brothery, you know? Don't show us all your details. Honestly, it's it's a little creepy for us to know who made the format in the first place. I'm going to go against Pants' better judgment. I'm going to say thank you, Whiteblade. What the fuck? Okay, Germany has been absolved of all sins. There is no beef with Germany. <laughs> Whatever else it was, this format was in many ways a meme, which is a perfect reason for us to talk about something with CTZ. He is uniquely qualified as a meme lord. He's going to rise to the occasion. Rise? Well, uh, well, mm, well hmm. Did you just say rise? I said rise. Like a loaf? Rise like a loaf. It is now time for baking up meme loaves. We're really messing with the format this time, aren't we? What are we baking up? What's in the oven? The meme loaf for us today is what is the best Netrunner meme? Give me some Jeopardy music's amount worth of seconds to come up with the answer in my head. Damn, this is so close. Oh, but I'm going to give one answer. Netrunner's top meme has to be double hell action. It, it Triple hell action. Hell action is the number one top Netrunner meme, period. You're going to have to explain this one to me, actually. Okay. All of you know Glass Shop, right? I actually started playing after Glass Shop was a thing. Okay, so Glass Shop was a, a, a meme tragedy from Poto Boys, which was a deckless write-up of NEH that just went into the don't go full dummy dummy territory. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. You thought Glass Shop was cool? Nah, 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 nah. No, it's not by comparison. This person proceeds to give the most epic deckless write-up ever. It's not even close in my mind. This wonderful Netrunner player proceeds to illustrate no more than two turns over three card combos and the most verbose, beautifully written, borderline psychopathic guide to play this deck that involves the phrase hell action. Now, if that wasn't enough, there are double hell actions, which is twice the fun. And if that wasn't enough, there is a legendary no-scope triple hell action, which involves you score 15 minutes and they steal another agenda. Then you exchange to give them the 15 minutes, and then you suck it back into R&D. This person goes through so much beautiful detail about how to execute these hell action maneuvers. It is the best deckless meme period. 
If you haven't read this, check it out, folks. It's beautiful. The phrase hell action. Already it's, I'm invested. Dude, it's so good. I can't, I am telling you it's the best meme in Netrunner. Not like no shit posting. Yeah, I just found it. It's Dante's Inferno. The image which should have gotten it decklist of the week is Dante from Devil May Cry. It's so good. Oh man, that's such a wild write-up. You can tell that this is truly a deck devoted to putting people in hell when the plan includes step six, plan B, scorched earth, except it's scorched earth is misspelled. This is like the epitome of if Tim and Eric made a show mocking public TV that then rated Netrunner decks, this would be written into the script automatically. I have an answer for this as well, and I do want to put it on audio here. Chill84. Before money was ruining Netrunner, and before the ruined meme... Exclamation point ruined. ...did NRDB in review. And he was accused of killing Netrunner because he did super critical walkthroughs of the deck of the week. From a competitive level, like, are these decks competitive? After being told he was ruining Netrunner over and over again for like two, three months in a row, he's just like, fuck it, you suck. And so he wrote this deck that was a fanfic about Bernice Mai. Oh, I don't even remember Christ. what the deck is called. <laughs> it's not important. It's not important at that point. The fact that you have a fanfic or fan alt, I'm in already. So every card in the deck is related to the short story, the fanfic that you wrote in the deck description. That is the greatest meme in Netrunner history. No question in my mind. The top Netrunner meme is Drill Runner. If you're really looking to mess up your life plan, read two to seven tweets of those, you are going to be in hell in five minutes. That's exactly how it went for me. I saw exactly one drill runner and I was like, cool, that's my main creative output for the next five to eight months. I want to show you this both real fast. I know that you listening to the podcast can't see this, but we can see each other's beautiful faces right now. You see this wallet, right? Mm -hmm. okay, pulling it out. I keep this with me at oh, all times. Shit. I keep this with me at all times. I have a little, can't really show it here. I have a shrine of totems right next to my bedside. This is the only one that ever leaves the pile and it is with me at all times. This is oh. a drill runner, push your luck from you two dorks, along with obviously a Mumbad virtual tour of Italy's. Uh, I have all of those uh, and that is all those are beautiful true relics true relic very sacred to me that really warms my heart making physical drill runners is one of my favorite things the creator of drill runner cat actually asked me I was like I'm gonna give a physical drill runner card to Michael Boggs when I meet him at worlds does anyone have suggestions on this and I got a DM that was like if I send you one of my physical inside jobs can you put the sticker on that and give that to Michael Boggs. Why not? <laughs> Obviously. He was very confused when I handed him this card. I love when I looked at it. He was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that during Mopus, you had a grab bag of stickers and they were all inside job drills. Oh, all inside jobs. I posted in Slack several times. I'm going to be bringing about 30 stickers, which are card sized. Like you can bring a physical inside job card. I can give you a sticker. You can peel it off and you can put it on your inside job. It will never be legal for tournament play again. And it will always have a drill on it. That's perfect. And I only had about two of those left at the end of the weekend. <laughs> when you're taking memes to a physical level, that's when you've truly ascended. I did this so much that I cannot play a playset of Inside Job anymore because I only have one that hasn't been altered. <laughs>
I think yeah, at any of the tournaments that you're going to go to, the TO would offer an exception for the proxy rule or something. At least I know I would. And if your opponent goes, well, it doesn't have the text of the card, I'll be like, then just call me, say judge, and I will get you the text. The card is fine. You know what inside <laughs> job does. Actually, no, you know what? You enriched your life by showing you this artwork. Yes. Yeah, you know what? Add that Add the altered inside job is an agenda point mi- worth minus one to your square area as a penalty <laughs> for not knowing what the fuck is going on. One of the things that I feel that we should point out about Drill is that we're not talking about Kat Shen, fantastic right. player, fantastic person yeah. on Slack. We were talking about Kathela, who I don't know is on Slack proper that much anymore. Incredible Mind for Memes curated the entire Joe Runner community for years and is kind of the reason that that account reached the heights that it did in the first place. If you put the time and dedication in, commendable at a minimum. All right, gentlemen. I think that we could talk about memes and we could talk about meme decks and meme streams all night. I think we've had enough of talking about the theoretical decks on the meme streams. I think it's time for us to talk about real decks that were played at actual tournaments. Pants, you know what time it is. It is time for Deck and Bamboozled, and the deck that is bamboozling us this week comes from none other than CTZ. Let's go ahead and start off with the name. We have Six Neural EMP Shooter, or SNES. Oh yeah, SNES for short. This was a real display of wits and determination. No strategy, no economic advantage, but certainly wits and determination were in high stock at the creation of this deck list. For you nerds at home, this was in 2014. So you got to rewind that VCR tape all the way back then. Yeah, please be kind and rewind. You need to be kind to yourself and the greater community and go back to 2014, the sacred times. That was the first thing I wanted to call out about the deck list. The date, August 2nd, 2014. I didn't even know Netrunner existed in August 2014. So you're going to have to give us a little bit of an idea of what is the meta? What are people playing? Oh, you sweet summer child. There were a lot of super modernism players. Fastro was the deck to beat for sure. RP was starting to gain traction in terms of playability. I wouldn't necessarily say people understood how to accurately play it, but they were starting to guess that, oh, okay, like Nisei is pretty decent and the mm-hmm. ID, blah, 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 blah. All the good players, you're right, were on Fastro. They thought it was broken and busted and nothing could beat that. But like everything was teched against Fastro. So that's why the Fastro decks lost in 2014. What's happening on the runner side? What are people playing in 2014? Andy, noise if you're trying to be edgy. And then you know how there's always that blue sun in the cut? Always. There's always one blue sun. There's always one Chaos Theory or Kate back at that time that just kind of like sneaked in Mm -hmm. with Legwork or Account Siphon or something like that. This was when I really started to get into sync with the inner CTZ mind. I had moved to SF at the start of that year. Start of 2014, January 3rd to be exact. I very quickly learned how extremely good everyone was here. And there were a lot. Our regionals back then had 80 players. Our GNKs, five a month. Double up one weekend, three for the rest. And I knew right away, there is no way that I'm going to beat all these math nerds. They're too good. So I need to cheese them. So I leaned into the cheddar cheese. I wanted to get not just only to Tostino's 
nacho cheese, I wanted that from a pump at a gas station. You know what I mean? 7-Eleven hot dog. Everyone's playing these weird CI combo decks with Scorched Earth or trying to score out barely at that time, but it was mostly Scorched Earth. And I was like, that's dumb. Why don't I just neural EMP everyone over and over and over again? It's easy. You just play the two cost spell and then you either play Archive Memories, which is zero cost, or Jackson Howard, which is also zero cost or Reclamation Order, I think at that time, which was one, close to zero as you're going to get. And I was just like, the deck is simple. Play Neural EMP as much as possible, no matter what. In fact, it was just a shitty version of PU from the old days. So I published that deck list in August, and I brought it to the Icebreaker Tournament at Worlds 2014. And I had an authentically earned the Plastic CI Andy duel from New York Albany Regionals uh, the year before. And so I just tried it, and it was a terrible nightmare that didn't work. I think we should walk through the deck for the people at home. So obviously we're starting off with CI as the ID. Some of the cards that CI is well known for at this point are not legal. Yeah. There's no VLC in this. Agendas. Three efficiency committee. To play more neural EMP. Yep, that's good shit. Three NAPD contracts. We don't care about scoring. Three priority requisition. Chef fucking kiss already. Comes the, the, course the last pretty... time that I saw priority requisition was in a draft where I forgot to take agendas. This deck is about density and ratios. He wanted to play the least amount of agendas possible. Oh boy. Two Jackson Howards. We're going to skip the operations. A lot of the action is there. Switch over to the ice. We've got three Eli's, two Heimdall's. Heimdall 2.0s, I will point out. Do you know how much it costs to raise a Heimdall 2.0? That would be 11 credits, Michael. It is 11 credits. Otherwise known as a million. 11 is more than a million credits. Easy money. You know how many clicks it takes to break all of the subroutines that end the run on Heimdall 2.0? Oh, that was a trick question. It would be too, yes. The same number as Heimdall (laughs) (laughs) 1.0. Oh, shit, you're right. The thing is, it gets that guaranteed brain damage then. Which, again, is like playing a neural EMP every turn. Big brain, big brain. You're welcome. You're welcome. Code Gates, we got three Victor 2.0s. We have two, a card that you mentioned earlier that I did not know existed, Geary Labyrinth. Because I think many of our listeners will not know what this card does, I'm going to read the text. This is a Code Gate, two res, two strength, one subroutine. The runner's maximum hand size is reduced by two until the beginning of the corpse next turn. So tasty. It's such binder fodder. I want to point out, this card is not as bad as you think it was in this meta. Because one of the commonly played cards, which would actually be a better slot in this deck, was Quandary. I wish Quandary were legal today. The reason Quandary was so sick in that meta was Yogg was the main code gate breaker. One credit, you're forcing them to pay five credits to get their code gate breaker out. Giri, it's a terrible fucking card. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's actually sicker than it looks because it's the second lowest cost code gate in the game at this point. Oh, what the a only thing card. that's lower cost is Quandary, which is an and immediate upgrade here. Giri Labyrinth into the neural EMP combo. It feels like the combo that just never actually lands in a fighting yeah. movie. I was doing that to punish face checks. 
And it was just to get in the head. It was a buying time maneuver, if anything. A very inefficient, <laughs> terrible way to buy time. In yeah. CTZ's defense, in this era, one of the common things was to drop a ferry and just face check everything. Because there weren't a lot of scary code gates and barriers, especially against HB. This maybe actually even landed more than you think it would have. Because the terrible Andy players would have just been like, fairy, I'm good to go. Boom, 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 boom. I can kind of see where you're coming from. I still think that this is wrong. But oh, it's 100% wrong. Not expecting a code gate to kick your ass was a thing. I'm wondering how often it actually kicks your ass. This is not, right? Like, honestly, you would just kill them on neurals. It was much more likely that they just were like, oh, LOL, there's no way that this idiot could play three neurals, regardless of any ice decision. Yeah, exactly. I have eight of them in my hand. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you scored an FCOM, it just got hilarious, because then all you would do was click for credits. Because then you just wait for them to run, and if they didn't have the card count, it played exactly like, what's the Jinteki, pick one, flip it, triple click, blah, 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 blah. Biotech. Biotech, biotech, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just this idea of like, you do one thing and now I kill you. Exactly. The sentries in this deck, we've got two Fenris, brain damage there. I don't know what sentries were like back then. Fenris seems somewhat reasonable if there aren't good sentries. It ends the run. Playing against criminals, so if anything, you're going for program trash cheese, Uh, but then they also had fairies, so like, Roto was probably better, for sure. Mm -hmm. Ichi was pretty popular. We got the 2.0 in here, not the 1.0. Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah. The 2.0s. Yeah, I'm going for big cards. I'm going for big fuck yous, <laughs> not little impolite, like, excuse me's. Uh, <laughs> I think you swap all the 2.0s for 1.0s, though, and this deck is immediately better. Yeah, it's the classic computing trope. I shouldn't have updated the app. I updated <laughs> yeah. the app and it broke. Absolutely. Right? That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. You also have a very spicy century that costs you three influence here. Shinobi. Shinobi Nation, LMAO gotcha. And honestly, of all the ice, that was probably the most reasonable. That was going to be my question. I've literally never seen this card before. Has this card ever been good? There were cheese decks making news and like primary transmission dish or like net analytics and all that shit that were like, it could be barely okay. I saw Keys that played a 1x, and it wasn't really to win or tax you even, where you're not using it as an attrition strategy, where you just run the meta cards and they can't steal it. It's more that you're using the attrition as tempo. Shinobi, not unreasonable as a 1x in some of these decks, and that's why CTZ is right. It's like it's not an unreasonable card in the strategy that he's trying to do. It can kind of do it. I questioned your amount of econ to make that happen, though. Oh, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get exactly. You get that. Like it's it's more of like a, I barely had enough money, and they had, no, and the runner had no money. That's how that fires because yeah, they stole any PDs or whatever. One of the things that I love about this Shinobi and this Fenris is every time you res them, the Shinobi gets worse. 100%. Y'all were saying Andy is a big runner at this time. Three individual traces versus Andy is not as good as one big trace. Definitely not. Some questionable calls, some upgraded apps that need to be downgraded, some labyrinths that maybe should be some quandaries. Let's go over to the operations. Here's where the fun really starts. I'm just going to go through them and then we can talk about them all. I see two accelerated diagnostics, three archive memories, three biotic labor, two blue level clearance, three hedge fund, three neural EMP, two power shutdown, two rec order, and two restructure. Where is the money? That's the secret, Michael. 
There was never any money in the hot dog stand. The thing was this, you were trying to just play neural EMP as many times as you needed to. You can do the Timmy Wong to figure that out. It was just a matter of one skateboard trick. Either they fuck up because they had not enough cards or they spent too much money or they got hit with the weird gear check. It's all these unoptimal accidents. That's what this deck is. Taking advantage of unoptimized accidents, not full on accidents, unoptimized ones. So you didn't need money. If it was ever going to work, okay, I got six credits. I played Neural MP three times. You lose. The end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just a total travesty. That's why I love this deck is it was just intimidation with no backup. <laughs> <laughs> you were even describing one of the other lines as you score an FCOM. How are you scoring that FCOM? Turn one, Heimdall, not enough click type, of, right? <laughs> like it's, again, unoptimized accident. You know the cork board mm -hmm. when you are doing a heist or an FBI investigation? This deck is every one of those individual pins, but none of them are connected at all. Basically, CTZ yeah. forgot his string at home. I'm thinking a genuine line if you're playing against this deck. Let's say you even have the efficiency committee scored. The runner's like, you're on six credits. If I end the turn on five cards, you literally can't kill me. So I'm just yeah. going to keep running. We've used this phrase jokingly on the stream, but kind of has been integral to some stream episodes. Step one of creating the deck. Assume the runner is going to. That's a death sentence 99% of the time, but that's exactly what this is, right? Just to make sure I understand the mechanics of how this combo works, you're usually firing off two neural EMPs with each Jackson, right? Sounds right. If you need more than four neural EMPs, you need FCOM tokens to get- FCOM, Archive Memories, Reclamation Order. Yeah, those are like the three pieces. Like it's not complicated. It's simple. Like you have those things or you don't. And CI was just to hold on to those and or yeah. bullshit cards for density purposes, not actual I'm comboing off yeah. and I need cards one through six. You just need as many copies of those cards to be flexible. I think that this still could have worked with a couple of changes. I think that you could have leaned into the accelerated diagnostics here. Like I think 3X Howard allows you even more leeway. You're up on credits mm -hmm. to play even more neural MPs so you can go got them at a higher threshold of cards. Yeah. In the same vein, the fact that you're playing 2X restructure and 2X blue level is a little bit weird. I almost think mm -hmm. that you should have gone more into the I'm CI, I have a big hand size, so let's play less ice. Upping the blue level and restructure to three axes, I think core of the deck actually got, kind of works. I got a real Sansan take here. Okay. You should cut the Shinobi and you should cut two more ice because you should replace it with one Jackson Howard and two green beans. Oh, easy. Because that solves oh, yeah, both the problems, no. right? And then I think with yeah, the yeah. ice slots too, Actually, yeah. if I was really leaning into it, I probably should have played Cerebral Overrider because I already have so many disorienting yeah. things. Getting a Cerebral Overrider for you, for one, is genuinely worth it. If you bluff it as an FCOM. Oh yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. It's a win to get that. You just are trying to throw off your opponent in so many ways. There were a few better plays in that deck for the opponent to access a neural EMP because now they're going, oh, 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 mm, oh, oh. They're just doing that for the rest of the game. Again, it's yeah. a distraction. Them accessing neural and you being on more money means you actually genuinely have a score out threat probably if they're afraid to run shit. 
This deck also, just in terms of antiques, it does not have a CTZ prefix name. I had started oh, doing the CTZ underscore right after that to track other people's decks that we were working on. Noah and I would always test stuff. And so just to make sure of whose version of what we were doing, we're like NH or CTZ yeah. or whatever. And that's how that all started. I would call this CTZ veiled threat because there's no threat. Or there's very little of one. <laughs> Any last thoughts or should we switch to the next segment? No last thoughts other than, man, I'm glad that we unearthed that zombie. And this is probably the good year to do it of 2020. Just get it out of the way. We don't need more bad things in 2021. Let's leave it there. Switching gears. We're going to go into something near and dear to our hearts. Mm-hmm. And we're probably going to spend a lot of time on this. Tons. Now it comes to ban or nab genetics pavilion. Man. The thing is, is uh, ban, ban. Uh, yeah, you gotta ban. Moving on. So the next segment is another one near and dear to our heart. It's bad card of the week that's still bad, and you shouldn't play it. As always, this podcast is not weekly, but the recommendation for the bad card of the week that is still bad and you still shouldn't play it is specific to this week. CTZ, you had chosen rigged results. Oh, yeah. All right, so first off, it's a neutral card that costs influence. Woo! Great opener. That ought to warm at least one heart and many farts. You have to pay one influence to do this? You got to pay one influence to even start the game that then continues on. So you have to choose a server. You then have to wager money in advance of running the server in order to theoretically have the court, again, do something wrong, a common CTZ theme if you haven't figured that out. And even if they have now executed something incorrectly, you then have to run and bypass that ice. That part is good. There could be other bad things. You're still going. You have to find out exactly how deep the rabbit hole is. This card is so bad. One of my favorite things about it is you look at this card and you're like, oh, you sigh game. And then you actually read it again and you realize only you spend money. The corp, no matter what you spend, no matter what they guess, they don't have to do shit. Literally nothing. Show up. Absolute best case scenario is you get a discounted inside job that isn't the first ice. It's only discounted if the corp, the corp has the incentive to make you spend money on this. You're never getting this for zero. No, no, you're definitely not. If you're going against a red corp, there are three Anansi in that deck. No matter what, (laughs) which this card directly fucks you on. What's crazier about this is let's say that Anansi isn't rezzed. Corp has access to this info and it's probably going to influence the guests. <laughs> which is just like, <laughs> it's a truly elegant, how terrible is this card? And I will offer this as a last little tidbit on it. This is a draft card just below average because sometimes breakers can be a problem. So if you're playing draft, This at least isn't the worst thing that you could pick out of the pack. I will say it's not the first pick, but in draft, this card may actually even be sort of good. It's like like your middle of the pack pick. Draft is a dark place. Sometimes you just have to do some very grim things in draft. Draft is real ass netrunner. Yeah, it's tanky. 
All right, we are nearing the end, which means it is time for the closing arguments. CTZ, this is a question for you. Beautiful. Let's say that you are in charge of the Netrunner tournament calendar. You can make exactly one change. What would it be? And please note that spicy takes are not only welcome, but encouraged. For the tournaments in that month, no one in tournament Y can play the identities that won tournament X. Ooh. in terms of always be running. We'll use always be running as the tournament tracking source, just because that's probably the most global, I would say, out of all the stuff. And the last reported tournament, no one can play the IDs that were in first place. No one. That's the rule. That would be two cards that would affect, but Four. I will allow it. Yeah, You're basically taking the best IDs off of the table, or at least whatever people consider are the best IDs at the top of the tournament season. Mm -hmm. And then you are forcing those to rotate into something else. So then the question becomes, is that same deck as good in another generic ID, or do you have to retool the deck? Yeah. If I was to add one level of spice to that, maybe you could say that any ID that has won a tournament cannot be repeated for the tournament season yes yeah and i, I that was i had considered that seemed like a pretty big change maybe let's i would say the cadence should be it resets every month because you don't want to force people into the box completely but i think if it's a month cadence you're forcing them into a box it's not permanent terrible shoe box but it's a box of sorts rooting for certain shit to win at other tournaments you're like i swear to god if asa wins the store champ a week before mine i am so fucked right right yeah. right right yeah oh yeah, that's yeah. like fantasy football in netrunner form almost i need the lions to lose so that i don't have to face them in week 13 i don't really know that much about football but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah you know what i mean yeah, totally. That's what I would do. And I think the other one that I would just offer generally is, but I understand that this is not realistic. I do really like the idea of a tournament and you have four rounds. You cannot play the same corp and runner deck in any of the rounds. You could, you have to bring four corps and four runners to that tournament and you play that deck once. But I know that that's a logistical nightmare in terms of you got to have a lot up front. Personally, I love shit like that because it's forcing you into all these different scopes which i like that would work i think fantastic on jnet though for sure and given enough notice it seems very reasonable right so yeah that's what that's what generally i would say for that question unfortunately we have reached the end of the episode so you too this has been such a wonderful pleasure i love that we have been able to share this i would call it gutter dream mm -hmm. that we are the street trash we are the filth we live in it and we love it. It gives us power. It's this great comic. I don't know what it's from. I only have the single frame. And it's of this pig pen-esque character. He's just in a pile of trash on the ground. And all it says in the text bubble is, I am one with the filth. It makes me feel comfortable. That's it. That's the whole frame. And I'm really happy that we've been able to do this over the years and can continue to do this in a digital format such as the podcast medium. We've got special thanks to give this episode. Obviously, special thanks to CTZ. Thank you for being on here. Do you have any shout outs to give while you're on the cast? I just want to say shout out to... And they were really, you know what I mean? No. Me either. Last pieces of business for everyone who is still listening. If you aren't already following the podcast, please follow the podcast. We need followers, especially if you're in Germany. You can follow us on just about every major podcast outlet. If you have any questions or comments, the way that you can contact us is either StimSlack or Twitter. The usernames will be posted in the show notes. And if you have any concerns, then good. And I wonder if
I could have doubled the RAM, but no reason for me. And is then... anything even using like 64 these days? <laughs> yeah, Michael just looking at yahoo.com and Chrome. I'm Wouldn't gonna, that be more of an indictment of uh, the optimization of Yahoo than Mike? No, hold on. No, no it's here, I'm, I'm going to show you something that's going to make you fucking cry. This is an actual window that I actually have open for work. Oh, God, you're one of those <laughs> motherfuckers. Unbelievable. I totally get it. Like, all right. I will say that I do tab shame. My partner is notorious, like 60 tabs. And I'm like, do you have any ah. idea maybe what might be happening? She's 5,000 times smarter than I am. Kill I, mean, me, I, I, I deserve to be tab shamed, but I will not change. You own it. So like, honestly, <laughs> I'm not going to hate it that much just because you're leaning into it. So you are somewhat forgiven is what I would say. <laughs> so on a similar Probably vein, I like program shame people at work because I do tech support. Well, I haven't been in the office forever, like probably the yeah. rest of us. But when I don't need a program or a window open, I close that bitch. Like, I don't yeah. want anything open that I am not using. If mm. I'm not going to use it within five, 10 minutes, tab, mm. program, whatever the fuck it is, that bitch gets closed. That I is cannot not stand it. <laughs> oh. it's, part of it is pragmatic. Part of it is like, if I close the terminal window, then that means if I need to go in and test something locally, I have to restart that and that takes about 15 minutes okay. to get things back up and running. Yeah, it makes sense, I guess. Um, that does not explain <laughs> why I just have fucking my text editor open. And the last time I used it was Roseville Cycle War. Oh, God. <laughs> Listen, you just have to You're always have me. it on the mind, right? You know? <laughs>